Good morning, Church on the Rock. That was so whack. That was whack. My name is Rashad. I am one of the pastors here at Church on the Rock. Um, every Sunday morning, first service and circuit, second service, we do the Good Morning Church on the Rock. Good morning, Rashad, to make sure that you're locked in, ready to hear a word from God. But here's the thing. First service is much smaller than this, and they're much louder than you. <laughs> I got a problem with that. I got a major problem with that. So I'm going to try this again. And I need y'all to, like, act like there's a lot of people in here, okay? <laughs> Good morning, Church on the Rock! Good morning, Church! Yeah, that's like, woo, chills. <laughs> woo, that felt good. All right, so look at this. We are continuing this journey through the book of Romans, but we're not actually in Romans this week. Um, we've been doing this series called News, which stands for Necessary Evidence We See. We're examining uh, what's necessary for the gospel of God to be the gospel of God. There's many things that can be gospel or good news, uh, but for it to be the gospel of God, it has to have a couple things. We talked about God's promises, God's prophets, and God's pages or the Bible all have to be included. That's necessary evidence. A lot of you learned and grew in that, but um, I wanted to take a break so that we could talk about God's people. You see, um, all of this knowledge that you've been getting over the last five to six weeks, it, some of you getting puffed up. I've been getting text messages and emails and like, ooh, look what I know now. You know, mm, I know something now. I'm going to go tell somebody about this. But here's the thing. Um, we need you to not only grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's word, but we need you to live it, to actually be it, to actually do it. So... I wanted to take a break starting last week and talk about the people. Like, what's the necessary evidence we must see when you are a, a child of God or a person of God or a letter of God, per se? And last week, we talked about what you smell like. And so when it was posted on Facebook, everybody was like, what kind of church is that? You know what I mean? Um, but we were talking about being a, a fragrance or a, a, an aroma that is pleasing to God based on how you were living your life. We were in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So we're going to continue that because I ran out of time. I, I'm long-winded. For those of you who are first time, uh, I'm long-winded. So just we're going to get over that now. But in chapter 3, we're looking at not what you smell like, but what you read and write like, or basically what your letter must look like if you are a letter of Christ. So all we're doing today is we're, we're looking at you to not look at your neighbor, not look at your spouse, not look at your kids, but look at yourself, okay? And examine yourself because everything that we're looking at is like a, it's something for you to ask yourself, am I living this out? Am I really doing this? Am I really a letter of Christ? That's what all of these points are for. That's what the teaching is for because as a letter of Christ, you will make decisions and choices and, and, and do things in life that, that reveal you belong to him. Does that make sense? So we're going to start out with this, this Old Testament story uh, that I want to read real quick. And when we read through this, I want you to see how a choice determines who you are. And you don't make a choice to become something, but you make a choice because of who you are. So uh, get, into, uh, no, no, get, get to my story first. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that right there. Go, go to the, uh, the Chronicles piece or the Kings, whatever it is. I think it's Kings. Is it Kings? Yep, it's Kings. All right. First Kings 316. All right. So look at this. Uh, sometime later... Two prostitutes came before the king, the king is King Solomon, okay, came before the king to have an argument settled. 
Please, my Lord, one of them began. This woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. That's a crooked lady, isn't it? When you say, but look at this, but look at this. And in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted, it certainly was your son, and the living child is mine. So the other, the other woman's like, uh-uh, that's my child, okay? And, and, and then the first woman replies, no, the living child is mine, and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. The king, Solomon, said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours, and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right. Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. And he said this. He said, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh, no, my Lord, give her the child, please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is his mother. Can you see that? Can you see that? In, in, in this moment of arguing, both mothers said they were the mother, okay? So both made a claim. Both of them were like, I'm the mom, I'm the mom. Both of them made the same claim. But when it was time to make a choice that revealed who the real mother was, the one who was willing to even give up her, her parental rights, give up justice, give up everything so the child would live, revealed through her choice that she was the real mother. In Christianity, there's a lot of people in this room right now, and a lot of us are claiming to be Christians. But there's going to come things just this afternoon, tomorrow, Wednesday, later this week, where you have to make a choice to determine who's the real Christians and who's not. And this is what we're looking at today. What do those choices look like? Are you going to make those choices? And I'm going to call you out. I'm just going to call you out. And like, not individually. I'm not going to be like, Dylan, you, you're not, a, you know, no, no, not like that. Not like that. Dylan, this is the first time here. I just called him out. Look at that. <laughs> but, but I want you to not look across the room, not look to the side. I want you to look right here. I don't need you to tell me whether somebody else is or is not doing what they need to do. I need you to look at yourself, period, and see if you're doing what you need to be doing. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. That's going to be the verse that we're laying down in. And we're going to look at what is the necessary evidence we see when we are letters of Christ. Letters being a metaphor of literally just being children of God, children of Christ. So it says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need as some letters of commendation to you 
or from you. That's the context of where we're going to be at. Basically, Paul is having to defend his ministry. Back in Acts, uh, I believe Acts 18, Paul planted this church, this Corinthian church. He, along with Priscilla and Aquila, they planted this church and raised up this church. And now some other eloquent speakers, um, charismatic speakers have come along while he's not there. And people are looking at them and saying, well, they speak way better than Paul, and they're, they're a little bit more eloquent. They use bigger words. They don't have to work for a living. I wonder if Paul's really an apostle or not. So Paul's looking at that church when he's writing them back, and he's like, do I need a letter of recommendation? You, you are my letter of recommendation. A lot of people uh, crit critique me as a pastor because they want to know where I got my doctorate from or my master's degree from, or something like that. And when I tell them I don't have a doctorate, I don't have a master's degree, I've sat with pastors and professors and spent intimate time in God's word and been taught just from one-on-one -on -one discipleship the way they used to do it in the New Testament. They say, well, then how are you pastoring a church if you don't have that degree or that piece of paper? And I say, don't worry about the paper. Come look at the people, right? So you, in a sense, in the same way, when somebody questions my ministry, I tell them, come to church. And how about you talk to the people and ask them if they've grown and if God is pouring into them? Because it's not me and it's not my degree or my lack of a, de of a degree. It's the spirit working through the ministry that is pouring into you. So you become my letters of recommendation. If I was ever to go and apply for a job at a, at a school or something to teach the Bible, they'd be like, well, uh, what's your resume look like? I'd be like, come to Church on the Rock. Go talk to the people. And you'll see uh, what God's been doing through this ministry. Or like Corey, Corey, remember when I asked you? He's like, here we go again, right? You even tried to sit in the back so I didn't get you, right? I'm going to get you anyway. Corey cuts my hair. And long before I saw any kind of certificate or piece of paper that said Corey could cut hair, I saw people on Facebook with these awesome fades. And I was like, man, I want to get my hair cut by him because I've seen the proof in the people. In the same way, Paul is like, you're my proof. I don't need a letter of recommendation. You are my proof. So last week I asked the question, if I had to ask you if you were a disciple maker, where's your proof? Who's your proof? And a lot of people are like, I, I don't have a name. I can't give you a name. And that's a problem. That's a problem. But, but this is a part of the reading and the writing and being letters of Christ. So going to the, to the second verse, he says, you are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. And this is where we're going to start with my first point. To be um, a letter of Christ, go to my first point real quick, Leah. To be a letter of Christ, we must be legible letters. We must be legible letters, meaning right there when it says known and read by all men, it's a play on words. Gnosko, meaning known, but then anagnosko or an intent read by all men. It's the word they used to use when they said you would read out loud so people could understand what was in the pages. I would read it out loud. So those of you who are closet Christians, that's not a letter of Christ. And I don't care about your personality. I'm not a people person. That's cool. I get it. You're not a people person. Great. But I'm not asking you to be like me. I'm asking you to be like Christ. You understand what I'm saying? Like when we look at the Bible, when you're a Christian and you confess Christ is Lord, you're called to imitate Christ. Who in here thinks Christ kept his Christianity as a secret and nobody knew he was a Christian and he didn't want to ruffle any feathers and he didn't want to be rejected by the world, so he just kept quiet, and nobody knew he was a Christian. Where do you see that in the Bible? 
So your personality has nothing to do with it. Because people, this is what they do. Well, Rashad, I'm not like you. I don't want you to be like me. <laughs> I don't want you to be anything like me. I'm not outgoing like you. Don't need you to be outgoing like me. You're called to be like Christ, period. And Christ was known and read by all men. And you're called to be known and read by all men. So this is what happens, Christians. You get, you get your little holy huddles. You get inside these little four walls. And you don't want to be no part of the world whatsoever, right? You don't want to be in the world because, oh, the world is cursed and all this. But how can you be light among men if you never get out among men? How can you be light in darkness if you're never around the darkness? I get critiqued so bad for being a DJ. They're like, you, how can you pastor and DJ? Aren't you around people who drink and smoke and cuss? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm supposed to be, right? Isn't that where I'm supposed to be? And what better way to be a light among the world than actually being where the world is at, right? And so that they come and they say, man, the music is awesome, da-da-da, da-this. You're a pastor? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a pastor. What church are you from? And what Jesus is this? Like, and I'm like, the same Jesus that sat with the sinners? The same Jesus that sat with the drunks? That Jesus right there, that's the Jesus I read about. I'm just imitating him. But we got so many Christians who are like, no, we can't be around them. They might rub off on us, right? That's not what the Bible says. You're supposed to be light among the darkness. Give me Matthew 5 real quick. Look at Matthew 5. These are the basics of the Bible. In Matthew 5, you see that he actually calls us. He says, you are the light of the world. You, you believer, you Christian, you church attender, you prayer warrior, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill, it cannot be hidden. It's not closet. It's not quiet. He goes on, he says, nor does anyone take a light or nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. They put it on a lampstand. Like how much sense would it be like this little light of mine under the basket? <laughs> you ain't letting nothing shine. But just think about when we were kids. When we were kids, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I ain't in worship ministry, but y'all know where I'm going with that, right? The, the whole purpose was that you're going to be in the world to let it shine, right? Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Not under a basket, not inside these walls on a Sunday morning to never be seen again until the next Sunday morning. Out in the world, letting it shine. But you're too worried about your reputation. You're too worried about what other Christians going to think about you. You ain't answering to them on Judgment Day. You're answering to God. What are you going to do? You're going to get up before God and be like, well, I would have let my light shine, but brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so said I shouldn't be at, at, at the wedding ceremony, I mean, at the wedding reception because they drink or because they smoke or because they cuss. He's going to be like, but so, so you refused to be among them because of what another person said when your, your father in heaven, your Lord and Savior commanded you to be among the world? Mm. You got a different Lord at that point, right? You're supposed to be legible. How can we read you if you're not, if you're not around all men? If you're not around, you, you see that? It was all men, not just your comfort zone, not just the people that look like you. If you're black, not just black folks. If you're white, not just white folks. You're supposed to be the light among all men, not just Republicans, not just Democrats, not just women, not just men, around all, all, all means all, right? So, so, so look, how can you be a light 
under a basket. You're supposed to be on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Everybody. You're supposed to be legible, seen, known by all men. That word known, that's an intimate word. How can you be known if you're not in relationships? There's some of you in here who've been in here for two, three years and don't know anybody. You know their names. You know their face. But you don't know what they're going through. You ain't heard their testimony. You don't know what they're struggling with. You ain't seen their demons. You ain't walked alongside of them because you don't want to be known. Because what happens is once you're known, you're exposed. See, I'm a good Christian on Sunday morning. But I ain't going to lie, if you were sitting next to me on Wednesday, you might not like me. I might not be all I was made out to be on Sunday. So you know what? I don't want to be known and read by anybody because I'm scared of what you're going to think about me. So I'm going to put myself over here in this little corner, and this little light of mine is going to shine just in my household. But you're supposed to be known and read by all men. A legible letter. And it doesn't make any sense because, once again, I'm not asking you to compare yourself to anybody else in this room. You, you, uh, some of us do it the, the flip side. We look at a, a, at a letter and we say, well, at least my letter is better than theirs, right? Like, like hey, I ain't, I ain't got the best letter, but, man, it ain't dated. You know what I mean? I'm just messing with you, right? Kind of. No, I'm just playing. No, I'm just, no, no, no. I, I, ain't got the, I ain't got the best letter, but it ain't Nuss Bomber. I ain't got the best letter, but it ain't Nick. Like, we, we just start naming people that we're better than in our mind. Here's the thing. I don't need you to be Nuss Bomber-like. I don't need you to be Nick-like. I need you to be Christ-like. So you don't measure up anyway. Period. You, he still got work to do on you, too. You see what I'm saying? So this right here, you're supposed to be legible. Known, read, all men. And, and, and those of you who play the personality card, because this, this is the greatest thing in Christianity. Everybody's outgoing on Sunday morning. Nobody's outgoing after Sunday morning. And we say, well, that's just not who I am, Rashad. This is my type of personality. Okay, okay. Uh, let's look at Matthew 10 real quick. I want you, I want you to uh, answer this for me. Go to the next one. Jesus said this, all right? This is Jesus. Jesus said this. Therefore... Everyone who confesses me, okay, who claims me before man, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But look at this. Whoever denies me before man, and that's not just with your mouth, people. That's with your lives. Whoever denies me before man, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. You, you ever read that verse and actually thought about that? It's like, um, big stuff on. Remember when you was in uh, fantasy football? All right. Big Stefan is a New Orleans Saints diehard fan, right? And in fantasy football, you want to accumulate the best players you can to build your team. But Big Stefan wasn't having it. He was like, every single round, he drafted a New Orleans Saint. He didn't care the consequences. He don't care what came with it. He's like, I'm going to take Breeze. I'm going to take Bush. I'm going to take, he just kept going, like, I just ride or die for my team and nobody else. See, some of us need to be more like him and less like us because this is what we do. We ride or die for Jesus until it's inconvenient. We ride or die for Jesus until it seems like we're losing. We, we are bandwagon Christians. Bandwagon Christians. When we're winning, Jesus, when, we're, when it seems like we're losing, because if you knew the gospel, you can't lose, right? But when it seems like we're losing, we're off the team. We switched the jersey up, right? Like, 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 yo, I was team Jesus, 
It looks like we down, so let me put on this other. Now I'm team world. The world is winning now. I'm team world. That's how we live. You're not legible because people are trying to read you, and they, they reading you, and they saying, well, you look just like me. Everything in your contents of your pages reads just like me. So why do I need your Jesus? What is the point in going to your church, waking up on a Sunday morning, just to do what I'm already doing because there's nothing you're doing that's different than me? Think about that. You're not legible. You're not reading nothing different. You look like the world. You act like the world. You walk like the world. You talk like the world. So therefore, you're not legible for me. I'm not reading anything new. I'm already doing this. I don't need your Jesus. I don't need your God. I don't need your Bible to just do what I'm already doing. Doesn't that convict you? When there's people around you, I still hang out. I still know my boys, pre-Christ, still know my people. And when I'm around them, they're like, you're different. They, hey, it's still, it's still cool to hang around you, but they'd be like, oop, I, sorry, Pastor, didn't mean to cuss around you. And all that. It's just because I'm different. There's a different aroma about me. There's a different writing on my letter, and they, they see that, and they read it, and they see it on my Facebook, and they see it in my life. They see it in my interactions, and I'm still around them enough to be known and read. Some of us get converted and, and, and sell out for Christ and then run away from the people that he called you to reach. All of a sudden, you ain't got none of the friends you had when you was leading them the wrong direction. You don't want to go back and lead them right? That's, that's that typical, I got a job. We were both looking for jobs, all right? Me, me and you were looking for jobs, and we were looking together. I got the job, and you was like, hey, man, can you put in a word for me? Nope. Nope. Got my job. You ain't about to mess up my word. Nope. Nope. That's what it looks like, though. Save people want to save people. So we need to be known, read by all men, legible letters. But we also, we also, not just legible letters, we need to be labeled letters. We need to be labeled letters. Um, going to the next verse there, it says that we are being manifested, revealed that you are a letter of Christ. Because you could be a letter of a whole bunch of things, but you're supposed to be labeled as a letter of Christ. I put a post on my Facebook yesterday. Some of you saw it. Amanda called me out. But yes, it is for an illustration, Amanda. You're right. All right. I said, what is one thing that you have to buy name brand? That you have to buy name brand? And all these things came through. Toilet paper, deodorant. Yada. But one thing that hit me was mayo. Like Hellman's mayo. Anybody Hellman's in here? Hellman's only? I'm a, I love Hellman's. Boy, Hellman's is good. We had Hellman's last night. Hellman's, right? All right. Hellman's Mayo is like big. So, so here's my thing. I said, why? And the quality and the taste and all these good things. So look, we, we go above and beyond to make sure that our mayo is name brand, but we don't care if our Messiah is name brand, right? Let me explain that. A labeled letter comes from the Messiah and the Messiah only. None of this coexist stuff. Okay, those bumper stickers that say it can be this way, that way, this way, that way. There's many ways to get to heaven. No, 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 no. There's one way. His name is Jesus Christ. It's a name brand. It's the only brand that works. It's the only brand that is sufficient. Anything you substitute for the name of Jesus is going to fail you. 
It's going to fail you. I promise you that. I love how Peter said it in Acts 4.12. Peter said this right here. He said, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. What is that name? Jesus. Jesus. You can't substitute the name brand. You can't buy the great value version of Jesus and get into heaven. It's not going to work. And what does that look like? It's whatever you put before him. Whatever you put before him, whatever keeps you from being obedient to him is your substitute, uh, generic Jesus. Period. Name it. Name it. Name Money. Money. That, that, that's what you want for a Jesus. It's going to fail you. Your looks, your relationships, they're going to fail you. This church... If, if, if church attendance is your Jesus, it's going to fail you. If the, if the pastor is your Jesus, I'm, I didn't already failed you. Y'all just don't know it yet. You're going to find out soon. <laughs> like, like, you name it. Anything other than the name of Jesus, anything other than Christ is a generic substitute that will not live up to what you think it is. It will fail you. You need to be a labeled letter, Christ, a letter of Christ. Being revealed that you are a letter of Christ and nothing else. That's it. And when we look at that, like, isn't, isn't this what Paul says in 1 Corinthians um, when he says, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. Like when I'm up here preaching or you see me on Facebook or you see me in the community, I pray that you see Christ in me. I pray that anything you imitate is only something that you can back up by going in his word and saying, Rashad did this and guess what? Christ did it first and he's just imitating Christ. I can follow him as he follows Christ because anything I'm doing that is not Christ-like, I don't want you to follow. I'm saying that about myself, right? He also says in uh, 1 John 2, 6, look at this. In 1 John 2, 6, John says, The one who says he abides or dwells in Christ ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. The exact same manner as the real deal, the, the, the name brand, Jesus Christ. What does that look like? Why can't you forgive? What, 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 why can't you forgive? What are you holding on to? What? What has Christ not done for you that you can't do for somebody else? Hmm? What are you really holding on to? You waiting on an apology? Is that, is that what you're waiting on for, for your forgiveness? They have to earn it by apology. Christ died so you could be free to forgive. Was his death not enough? You need an apology too? Is, is that what it is? And how is that walking in the same manner when he died for you when you were his enemy? His enemy. The Bible says, while we, everybody who's ever lived on this earth, while we were his enemies, then he died. Okay, so what are you waiting on? For them to be your boo? Hmm? You wait on them, you wait on them to be your friend or to get it right or to do it correctly before you can e extend that forgiveness? Before you can love your enemies and pray for your enemies and all these things that Christ did for you while you were his enemy, but you, you claim that you want to walk in the same manner as he walked. We all say that till it's inconvenient, right? 
We all, we all say those things until it's inconvenient and you actually got to live it out. It's all good until you have to do it. And that's what the problem is with Christianity. We, we're a whole bunch of talk. This is all we do. We come in here, we sing songs, and blah, 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 blah. It's starting to sound like this. Womp, womp, womp. That's what it's starting to sound like to the world. Because we come in here, we talk about the love of God, the love of Christ, and how he emptied himself, and he became light among the darkness. Remember, if he didn't come into the dark, none of y'all saved anyway, right? So he gave you the example by being poured into human flesh, wrapping himself, humbling himself to come and die for you, only for you to turn around and say, well, he did that for me, but I can't do that for y'all. That don't even add up. But you're Christ-like. Remember, Christian was a derogatory term when it started. Those Christian, those Christ followers, those, those Christians that, that mimic and look just like him and do the things he does. Yes, yes, but are you really a Christian? Are you really a letter of Christ? Is his name really on the label? Can we tell? Can we see it? Can your enemy see it? That's a good test. Can your enemy see that you are Christ-like when they say, I've been coming at your neck for months and you keep praying for me and checking in on me. I hate you. Why are you still doing that? Oh, there's your gospel moment right there because Christ did it for me. The least I can do, right? But we miss that. We, we missed that part right there. So, once again, these are choices. Just like the woman who chose to say, you know what, give her my baby. Why? Because I, I'm, I'm making that choice because I am the mother. I'm not trying to prove I'm the mother or earn my motherhood. Or what. I am the mother, so because I am the mother, I make this choice. Well, I am a Christian, so because I am a Christian, I forgive freely. Because I am a Christian, I obey Christ. Because I am a Christian, I, I make these choices because I am a Christian. Not because I'm trying to earn the title. Not because I'm trying to be the title. I am the title, and it comes out in these actions. This is where they say faith without works is dead. Why? Because the faith you have will produce something. We've been saying it all year. Belief births behavior. You show me what you believe by what you do. That's simple. That's simple. So uh, we, are, we are legible letters, we are labeled letters, but we are also living letters. Going on to verse 3, give me verse 3, or no, right there, yep, that's verse 3, okay. He says, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, so you're labeled, you're a letter of Christ, cared for by us, look at this, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So this isn't human ink. That is writing on your letter. This is holy ink. Believers, Ephesians 1 says this. It says, if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit has been deposited into you. All right? It's, it's, it's the seal that says he's coming back for you in the, day of in the day of redemption, day of judgment, day of the Lord. He's coming back for you. He has poured the Holy Spirit into you. That's your seal. That's your proof. So look at this. Romans 8.11 says this about the Holy Spirit. We only need to take part of it. If the Spirit of him, that's the Holy Spirit. Spirit of who? Spirit of God. If the Spirit of him, God, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. We ain't got to go past the comma. You see that? As a believer, the spirit 
of God, the Holy Spirit, which is the same spirit he used to raise Jesus from the dead. The resurrection you believe in, Christian, because if you're a Christian, everything about your belief, it falls on the resurrection, on the belief that that is real. If that's real and God raised Jesus, how did he do it? The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from, from the dead. As a believer, that power, that power that conquered death, that raised Jesus, that power dwells in you, lives inside of you. You have the power of resurrection dwelling inside of you, Christian. The, the power, death, death, death. He raised somebody, from, he raised Jesus from the dead. And it, that same power you have access to in you. So you have the power of resurrection. You have the power of reconciliation. Some of you say, it's just so hard to be faithful. Mm -mm. You have the power of faithfulness dwelling inside of you. It's so hard to forgive. Mm -mm. You have the power of forgiveness dwelling inside of you. So it's not that you can't forgive. You won't. If you are a letter of Christ, you are a living letter. You, the power you have access to, you're choosing. You're making a choice to not forgive. You're making a choice to not reconcile. You're making a choice not to be faithful. That's, that's, that's a choice you are willingly making. We, we, we do this thing. We say, the devil made me do it. Let me tell you something about the devil real quick. First and foremost, the devil's not God, okay? God can be all places all the time, right? The de quit, quit putting the devil on God's level. He's not omni anything, okay? He can't be all powerful, all places, all knowing. He's not God. That is God alone, all right? So nine times out of ten, Christian, the devil didn't make you do nothing. He ain't even worried about your little self. <laughs> I'm flowing. I'm sorry. <laughs> he, he, ain't, he ain't worried about you because in basketball, um, they got this thing called self-check. Dylan, remember back in the day, um, you was a shooter, but we, we would play with people who couldn't shoot for nothing. So we wouldn't guard them. We'd be like, he's self-checked. We ain't got to worry about him. It, it's, it's basically five on four because he can't shoot for nothing. He's not a threat. A lot of y'all self-check. The devil ain't worried about you. He like, they doing it to themselves. Y'all doing the job for them. He ain't worried about you. So quit saying the devil and these demons. No, it's you. It's you, you and your flesh and giving in and not choosing, choosing to live by the spirit that dwells in you. You got the power to conquer death and you can't conquer your addiction. You got the power to conquer death and you can't put the weed down. You can't put the bottle down. You can't put the pills away. You can't not click on that website or not turn on that movie. But you got the power of, 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 of resurrection dwelling inside of you. Something don't add up. I don't see how I can conquer the grave, but I can't conquer porn. I don't see how I, I, I can conquer the grave, but I can't conquer grief. I can't conquer forgiveness. I can't conquer bitterness. I can't conquer anger. I can't conquer just keeping my mouth closed sometimes and not saying what I feel like saying, but I know it's the wrong thing to say. Hmm? Hmm? So you're supposed to be living letters. Living letters. What kind of living? With the spirit of the living God dwelling inside of you. 
And then next up, we're, we're, we're leaning letters. Leaning. So look at this. Here's the thing. You're like, Rashad, I hear you. I hear you every Sunday, bro. You always talking about what we're supposed to be. But I'm telling you, man, no matter what, I just can't do it. You know what? I agree with you. I absolutely agree. You cannot do it. You can't. I, I, I've been with my wife since 1999 when I met her as my girlfriend. And for years, I tried to do right by her. 99, 2000, 2001, 2003, all the way up to 2011, I tried to do right. I tried not to cheat. I tried not to watch the porn and, and not become this alcoholic like my biological father. I tried. All the, I tried. I actually tried. And I failed every single time trying to do it my way by myself to get myself together. What changed? Christ. The only reason I can stand before you confidently this morning and preach a message, especially with my background, is because I'm not asking you to believe in me. I'm asking you to believe in him. My adequacy has nothing to do with me. The verse itself, go to 3-4. The verse itself says this, such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Keep going. It says not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy, our sufficiency, our capability, our completeness is from God. You should be a leaning letter, period. You should be leaning all the time on him. You can't do it. I'm going to tell you right now, keep trying. I guarantee you'll fail because once again, anything that's generic or a substitute for Christ is going to fail you, including yourself, including you. I don't care how much Bible you read. I don't care how many times you come to church. I don't care how much you tithe and how much you serve. None of that replaces your relationship and dependency on Christ Jesus alone. You're not capable. You can't do it. And anybody who told you you could lie to you. I'll never forget. I'll never forget and some of you have heard this. When I lost my son, the first thing I thought about was my mama said, God will never give you more than you can handle. And I said, I can't handle this. My wife can't handle this. My daughter can't handle this. What are you talking about, mama? Because I believed in that. Even though I wanted to believe, I believed in that. Well, if he does exist, he ain't going to give me nothing I can't handle. But this crushed me. Then I turned to the Bible and saw he'll never give you more than you can handle with him. With him. They forgot that part. I said, oh, I didn't know. I, I thought I was supposed to be able to handle this by myself, but it's with him. It's complete dependence on him. And I love it because this right here, it, it dismisses all your excuses for not making disciples and not sharing the gospel. All, all of your insufficiencies of why you're not, you're like, Rashad, I would, but. And whatever you put in there, I'm calling you a liar if you're a letter of Christ. Look at Paul in 1 Corinthians 2. Look at this real quick. Paul says, when I came to you, he's talking to the Corinthians. He said, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Stop right there. Go back to that real quick. I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. In other words, he was going through some stuff. 
Remember, when he came to the Corinthian church, he had been ran out of some different cities. He went through a lot of persecution. He wasn't necessarily the most bold anything. But look what he says here. He goes on, next verse. He says, and my message and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom. He wasn't like pneumatology, soteriology, hypostatic union, tetragrammaton. He didn't use those big words or nothing like that. He says, I just, in the demonstration of the Spirit, and of power. Keep going. He says, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. He didn't persuade anybody. He didn't have to be clever and use alliteration and make the words rhyme and be sweating all on the stage and all that. No, 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 no. The word of God was enough by itself. The power of God was enough by itself. You don't have to be me. You don't have to do it like me. You don't have to teach like me. You don't have to know what I know. You simply have to be willing to let him live in you. That's it. That's it. Man, miss me with this whole, you're not ready to share the gospel because you ain't been to Bible college. What? You're not ready to to serve in a ministry because you don't know enough Bible. You can't help the kids in the back because you don't know your Bible enough. Miss me with that. That's a very weak God. If it's dependent upon your knowledge of him, your knowledge of his word, instead of you just being a surrendered individual, all all in on him, saying, Father, I don't know a whole lot, but I know this. I was blind, and now I see. So all I'm going to do is I'm going to go back there and tell them kids, I was blind, and now I see. When I get in the community, I was blind. Now I see. When I'm on the basketball court, hey, man, I was blind. And now I see. Facebook, I was blind. And now I see. I don't know nothing else. I don't know nothing else. I was lost and he found me. That's it. That's all I know. I can't give you all the theological stuff. That's just not, that's not how I'm bent. That's not who I am. But I can tell you this. Without Jesus, you wouldn't want to know me. Without Jesus, I wouldn't be married. Without Jesus, my daughter wouldn't have a father. I can go on and on and on on the things that require Jesus to be present in my life. And I can teach that all day without ever needing to know all this theology, big word stuff, right? So what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Lean on him, not you. If it was based on you, nobody would be saved. I mean, at what point have you forgotten? I don't care how well of a preacher I am. If the spirit ain't working, I'm just a motivational speaker. Period. I don't, I don't care what I teach up here and how fired up I am. I can raise my volume as much as I want. If the spirit isn't speaking to your hearts, ain't nobody moving. Ain't nobody moving. You got some of the best preachers in the world based on human standards with nobody coming to their church. You got some of the wackest preachers in the world by human standards, but, but they're so in tune with God that he's moving people by the masses. He can't use you. He can't use you. Who told you you weren't enough? The world. Who gave you those standards? The world. But what did the word say? So we, we're leaning letters, but lastly, we're laboring letters. And this is where we get it wrong, right here. You see, we'll say, I'll be legible. I'll be labeled. I'll be, I'll be living. I'll, I'll be leaning, all that good stuff. But you mean I actually got to do something with this? 
No, 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 no. I can't just be the good little servant that comes to church, reads, amens, sings, and goes home. You mean I got to actually be, like this actually takes people? Like I got to serve? Yeah, look at the Bible here. Look at the Bible. Go to that next verse right there, Leah. It says, not only did he make us adequate, but he made us adequate as, look at that, servants of a new covenant. Guess what servants do? They serve. <laughs> servants serve. You can't say you're a child of Christ or a letter of Christ and not say you're a servant of Christ. And if you're a servant of Christ, or as we uh, explained six weeks ago, a slave, a doulos of Christ, you have no choice. You serve. Servants don't sit. Servants don't spectate. Watch from the sideline. Go, Rashad. No, it doesn't work that way. You're supposed to be in the game. And this is crazy because we, we, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it, somebody had to labor to win you. Somebody was serving to win you. Somebody was preaching or somebody posted something or somebody handed you that Bible. Somebody encouraged you to go to God. Somebody was laboring for you to believe. You won't do that for somebody. How selfish of you. Really? And the labor is not just an external thing. It's an internal thing, Right? Some of us will labor for others, but we won't labor for self. Um, I want to say this correctly. Um, it's, a, it's a battle, y'all, right? Like, because we're supposed to be letters of Christ, but there's this thing called the flesh, right? And it's fighting every day against the Spirit. And therefore, it, it's labor. It's work. It's work. But this is the beauty of that work, um, it's, it's a work that is strictly about you surrendering. It's not you trying to figure out how to do it. It's just like letting go, like literally surrendering all of your life over to the Spirit. He'll direct you. He'll guide you. He'll teach you. He'll counsel you. All these things are in the Bible. He surrounds you with people to pour into you that simply say, this is what Jesus wants you to do. In that moment, you have to make a choice. Just like the mother. She made a choice that showed she was the real mother. Will you make choices that show you're the real Christian? That's what we're asking. And look at this. I, I, I want to make sure I get this. Here's the gospel moment right here. Uh, nope, nope. Go back. Go back. Go back. Right there. Um, it says that you're not a servant of the letter, but of the spirit. For, look, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Look at this. The letter is the Old Testament, okay? The Old Testament showed you what was required of you to earn your way into heaven, to be holy, to be righteous, but it doesn't give you anything to fulfill that. So it kills. It like, imagine me giving you all 613 commandments of the do's and the don'ts of God so that you can be considered holy, so that you can be in his presence. And I told you, but hey, hey, Vanessa, if you break one of them, you broke all of them. And if you break one of them one time, you broke them for all time. So you ain't holy and you ain't good enough. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't you be like, well, then how, well, then who's going to heaven? Nobody. I broke one this morning. So, yeah, thank you. Somebody, somebody's going to be like, me too. That's going to let me stand up here. All right, forget y'all. No, no, no. Like, like, you break one, you break all, you break it one time, you break it for all time. Who's going to heaven? Nobody. That kills. That kills. But the Spirit gives life. Because the power to keep His commandments, the, the, the power to, to be holy, 
to stop using, I'm still human. No, no, no. You're a Christian. You're holy. You're set apart. The Holy Spirit, the power of resurrection dwells inside of you. That's the life. That's, that's, that's how you fulfill that. But you've got to make a choice to let him have his way. The Bible says that he gives you the will, the desire, and the energy, the work, to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. So he says, hey, here's what I want you to do, and I'm giving you everything you need to do it. The frustration or the killing part would be, here's what I want you to do, and I'm not giving you anything to help you with it. You just got to figure it out on your own. But he gives you everything you need in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So all you have to do is choose him. Choose to be a letter of Christ. And that's where we're going to end. So as I ask the worship team to come up, this is, this is what I want you to focus on. Um, this can be a very, very powerful message, or this can be a boring message based on how you receive this, okay? Here, here's the reality. Facts say, stats say, 90% of you in this room heard a good message that you might talk about on the car ride home and never think about again after that. 90% of you in this room are not going to do anything with this. No surrender, no change, no transformation, just some amens, some head nods, a nice little lunch conversation, and that's it. I go back to my regular, non-legible, non-labeled, non-living, non-anything life tomorrow. I don't want that today. I want somebody to actually stand with me and sing the words to this song, I Surrender, and actually believe it. Here's what's stopping you from surrendering. Hmm? Because whatever that is, that's your generic Jesus. Whatever excuse you have for me right now that's keeping you from forgiving or that's, that's keeping you bitter, whatever excuse you have right now that's keeping you from giving or serving or attending or praying or anything that Christ has asked you to do, that's your generic Jesus. And it's going to fail you and you're going to have a hard fall when it does. I'm asking you today, whether you're a believer or even the non-believers who are among us, surrender all today. You've been trying it your way. You've tried it. I know you have. I can see it. And you're wondering why you're stuck and you're in this rut and you have no hope. It's because you haven't truly surrendered to Christ. And once again, that's for the believers and the non-believers. Some of you have called him Lord, but haven't surrendered to him as Lord. You just wanted a savior. I'm asking you to surrender to Christ as Lord. It changes your life. So please stand with me. Whether you know the words or not, read them and let them minister to your soul. Because that's what this is about. That's why we're here. Amen? Amen. Amen.
desperate for you. I surrender. I wouldn't know you 
The time finally came to deliver my baby, whom we decided to name Shiloh. I put on a Christian playlist, and I let every word wash over me. I made a decision to worship God in the darkest moment of my life so far. Wave upon wave of contractions and grief, and then a song came on. I surrender. This surrendered. I delivered Shiloh with tears and with peace, and then much laboring still to go to deliver the placenta. We held our tiny perfect baby, and we wept. But there was also relief, 
it was finished. God met me there in the dark, and as I pressed into him harder, he revealed to me all the ways that he had been preparing me for this moment. And he revealed to me all the plans that he had made to use my pain for good. I could see it. All the songs that he placed in my path repetitively that I have barely heard since. Every message that I heard before that moment, the entire week beforehand of serving in the needy communities of Indy and the theme of it all. He was preparing me. And then I named my baby Shiloh. I just picked it because it meant peace. But it actually means place of peace. And Shiloh in the Bible was the very first central place of worship for God. The very first place people came to meet God. Little did I realize that my little Shiloh was also going to be a place for people to meet God. Delivering Shiloh was a place that I met God. God's plans for Shiloh were bigger than I ever gave him credit for. And he has continued to remind me day in and day out that he's still good. Your letter isn't written in how well you can worship when life is perfect. It was a blessing when I got to carry life, but it was still a blessing when I lost it. And only a surrendered heart to our creator will allow you to see through the storm to the savior. God isn't going to stop the storms, but he is going to stand with you in them, like a shelter that will protect you from the flying debris, all the anger and the fallout and the chaos, you will still be standing. There will still be things to go through, wounds to heal from the journey to the shelter, but there will be peace and there will be hope and you will be changed forever. So I'm gonna pray us out. God, you are still good. No matter what we are going through, no matter how bleak it looks, you are still good, God. And we know that there is storms that are going to come in our lives. And I ask that you allow each of us to surrender in that moment, whatever that moment is, to know that you are still good. Even here in the dark places, you're still good, God. And I just ask that you allow hearts to be changed and transformed today. I, allow, I ask that you allow us to realize that faith is a choice. In the moment, you, it's a choice that we decide this path. And I ask that you just allow us each to be ready to make those choices when they come. And I ask you this in the name of your perfect son, Jesus, who you sent to die for us, whose blood shed so that we could have the opportunity to choose this faith This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you want any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.
People look at you, and they want him as Lord. I want to thank you all for sitting uh, through that. I could tell by the faces that you were actually here and that you were reflecting. That's why you don't hear amens and you don't hear that because you're thinking, like, is this me? Is this me? I love that when uh, Christ was with the 12 and he said, one of you will betray me. Everybody in that room was like, is it me? Everybody had to reflect in that moment. And I feel like that's what we just had. So even in the silence, in the, in the deep conviction that we may be feeling, I want you to know that's a good thing. Because I'd rather you figure out now that you're a counterfeit than when it's too late. Amen? Amen. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and then we're going to transition into our baptism ceremony, and then we're going to celebrate those baptisms and be out of here. If you have to leave, do not feel like anybody's looking down on you or anything. We get it. We understand. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, we praise you for being the great God you are. We thank you for your son and his sacrifice. We thank you for access to salvation through him. Uh, we come to you so humbly this morning, privileged to baptize uh, both Micah and David. We thank you uh, just for all that you've done this morning in both services, and especially, um, Father, the, the conviction that comes from your message. I know I was in no, no shape to put something like that together, um, and yet you came through like you always do. Uh, we trust you. We really do. And I'm praying that uh, through this message, Father, um, that I'm removed and the things that I said that are not necessary are, are forgotten, but everything that you wanted them to hear is tattooed on their hearts and their minds, Father, and, and leads them to, to change and to actually transform for you. It's in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.